Welcome to the Free Oakley Podcast. This is your host, Billy Johnson. All right, we're we're back with part two with with Aaron Brum. We're we're keeping the we're keeping it moving with the Friars. If you want to listen to part one, in part one we cover the current state of the Friars, seventeen, uh, sorry, eighteen wins, eighteen and nine overall. Uh, but go back to part one if you want to get the current state of the Friars. Aaron, I wanted to talk to you also about about Chris Dunn. So. Mm -hmm. You know, Friar icon, I think when you look at the numbers and the accolades, and I don't think he really gets enough attention in the Cooley era. So you are a Friar historian, you mm -hmm. know, like you, like we covered a little bit uh, in our last podcast. You had a, you know, you're uh, a, a Rhode Islander, born and bred, you know, your family has legacy at the school you know the history of the friars my history starts in 1996 so you know you are a, a true 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 blue friar historian um I, i've been on a run with 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 basketball games this year and, and i've been going to a lot of sporting events um i mentioned it not too long ago but i went to like five i've been to like five or six nick games already this season and i've been to a multitude of college hoops games uh including you know non-providence games um and i went with laura my wife for you know for my birthday i was like let's go to msg because chris dunn is in town the utah jazz were, were playing the knicks and chris dunn starts for the knicks uh sorry dunn starts for the jazz and, and you know providence friars in the nba has been sure a theme over the years but nobody in the nba really today you have just Manaya who, who's really deep on the bench in the in in portland but dunn was a you know the fifth overall pick uh, a few years ago uh, in 2016 and actually starts in logs minutes for the jazz so i was like you know i, I want to go check out dunn and you know we watched a lot of dunn across you know his, his two main years in pc in, in 2015 and 2016 and and, and i think and what I what I'm kind of doing doing with this is that I'm gonna run I'm gonna read off kind of Dunn's accolades because there he's in rarefied air as it comes to you know thinking about the Big East Conference and, and some of the individual success any Providence College Friars had and and I, I'm I'm gonna make the point here I'm gonna make the I'm gonna make the argument I'm gonna litigate how I think as much as Ed Cooley was was great and and did a lot for the program. I think Chris gets a little overlooked. Dunn gets a little overlooked here in terms of how he was able to take the Friars to a different level of not just getting into the tournament, of not just, you know, cranking, cracking the rankings in the high 20s, but in, in Dunn's uh, second year, Providence made it to eighth in the country. So um, let me let me give you let me give you the, the Dunn resume here. So, you know, Chris Dunn won the Big East Player of the Year twice. Only Friar to win the Big East Player of the Year, but he did it twice. In 2015, he wins it as a co-share with Ryan Archie Diacono from, from Villanova. 2016, he wins it on his own, solo winner. If you go back to the history of the Big East Conference, you've had one three-time winner, Chris Mullen from St. John's, and then you've had a handful of two-time winners. You've had Patrick Ewing, top top 75 NBA Hall of Famer. You have Rip Hamilton, NBA champion. You have a couple other guys, maybe lesser known. Troy Murphy, Notre Dame wins two. 
Troy Bell from BC wins it twice. Uh, after Dunn, Colin Gillespie from Villanova wins it twice. So Chris Dunn, two-time Big East Player of the Year winner. Now, Defensive Player of the Year also. It doesn't stop there. Two-time Defensive Player of the Year in the Big East. 2015, he shares this with Sir Dominic Pointer from St. John's. And then he's a 2026, uh, wins it all on his own. So if you look at Dunn, two years in a Friar uniform, getting minutes, uh, significant minutes. He did play, but he was hurt in 2014 but 2016 big east player of the year big east defensive player of the year you know it's pr pretty legit if you look at the multiple defensive player of the year winners you have a patrick ewing wins it four times in his four years at georgetown alonzo morning wins it three times and then two-time winners dikembe mutombo Allen Iverson. So, I mean, just think of the names I've read off so far, right? Ewing, Morning, Matumbo, Iverson. Then you've got a number of other guys. Etan Thomas from Q's. Our boy, Johnny Lenahan from, from PC, who went to school with us. Uh, Mecca Okafor, Hashim The Beat, Dunn, Kyrie Thomas, and then Kalkrenner, uh last couple of years at, at Creighton. John Lenahan, before we go on, all time was the all-time leader in steals. He actually passed another friar, Eric Murdoch. Shout out to Johnny L., uh, our homeboy who is a year behind us at PC. He was he was an all-time leader in steals, but he had, he had since been passed by a dude from Richmond, Jacob Gilliard, who actually I saw play a couple of years ago in uh, in Buffalo during the tournament. Um, quick, you know, John John Lenahan story. Love that dude. He lived next to us in St. Joe's. Um, when we were there, the basketball team was kind of stuck to themselves. That was like the, you know, I was living in a dorm with like Austin Crozier, who's like an NBA lottery pick, God Sham God, Jamel Thomas, Derek Brown, Ruben Garces, all, all like real dudes. Um, so sophomore year rolls around, Lenahan's a John Lenahan's a freshman and lives right next to us. And, and a lot of the basketball dudes, they, they, they kept to themselves, except for Lenahan. He just wanted to go out like with like, like dudes like us and like just go to Louis and go to Brad's and go to go to Olds and like just hit up hit up all the bars. He just liked being out. He didn't even drink. He just wanted to to, to go out and, and meet people and be part of like the college, the college scene. He was awesome, dude. Um and I remember he was like, he came into our, our room one day and, and this is when I was living with Driscoll. And he was like, he's like, Billy, you gotta come out with me. It's uh it's my birthday tonight. We gotta go. Let's go let's go to Brad's. And I was like, ah, sorry, man, John, like, you know, I'm kind of broke. I've, I've got no money. You know, it's a Wednesday night. And he's like, oh, man, I got you. It's like, it just, it's on the program. So John gave me like 50 bucks. <laughs> he was like, I'll pay you back. He's like, don't worry about it. And uh, we just went to Brad's all night. And like, he didn't even drink. I was just, you know, just drinking pictures with him. He was like, we were, wow. we're I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know there there was funds like that under the Welsh years with this program. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so John was a man. Love John. So it's all right. I, I've gotten off track already. And this is like our second hour doing this, but uh, Big East defense, defensive player of the year twice, Big East player of the year twice. Only the fourth McDonald's All-American we've, we've ever had. Uh, we've had God Sham God in 1995. Before that, Michael Smith in 90. And then you go back to De Delray Brooks in 1984. So you've got a McDonald's All-American. And in really, if you think about Dunn's Friar career, Ed Cooley's first season is 2011, 2020, uh, 2012, and he goes 13 and nine. His second season, Ed lands in his recruiting class, Dunn, who's the number 23 ranked recruit in the, in the country. 
and Ricky Lito, who's number 21. So Ed in year two brings in this like killer recruiting recruiting class. Uh, Dunn plays uh, 25 games as a freshman, uh, only double digits four times. Uh, Lito is never eligible, doesn't play at all. Um, they wind up losing in the NIT to Baylor, which I think you were at actually, right? Were you not at that game? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then, so Dunn year two, he plays uh, four games, gets hurt um, before the season really gets off the ground. That's the year Biggie's the Providence surprises and wins the Biggie's championship in the first year of the realignment when they beat Creighton, which really puts uh, Cooley on the map. Um, he's got the big recruiting class, and then he wins the Biggie's championship in the first year of the realignment. Done year three is the 2014-2015 season. That's when he uh, first time he makes you know Biggie's player of the year. They lose in the first round to Dayton, which which was an awful, awful scenario because they had a play-in game in Dayton against Dayton, and that just didn't that just was terrible. That year, so this is actually yeah, so Dunn's third year. They cracked the rankings towards the end of the season for the first time since the Welsh season with Brian Gomes. So here they are in 2015 being ranked for the first time since 2004. And they um, that Gomes team got as high as ranked 12th in, in the country. Uh, they, cranked the rank, they cracked the rankings at like 23, 24, 25 towards the end of the season. They flame out against Dayton. Dunn's last year, 2015, 2016, you know, he's player of the player of the year, defensive player of the year. They win a game against USC in the tournament and then lose to, to, to UNC. They get, they get demolished. They were ranked all season. They hit number eight in the country after early wins against Arizona and Michigan State. They're eighth in the country, so they're a top 10 program at this point. Uh, they're not ranked again until the 2021-2022 season which is the Sweet 16 run that, that Cooley had when they win the biggest championship. Uh, they were ranked last year, obviously, as we know, before Ed left. So I'm, I'm banging the drum on the rankings, and, and the rankings aren't everything, as we know these days with the, you know, the, the metrics and who makes the tournament. But it's a barometer of being healthy, right? It's like you know they're a nationally ranked program. They're hitting that higher echelon, and, and a lot of it is because of Dunn and, and, and how, how good he is. He winds up getting drafted fifth overall in the 2016 draft by the by the Timberwolves. Um, he's the 11th first rounder we've ever had. Um, you had Lenny Wilkins, Jimmy Walker in the 60s, and then in the 70s you have Ernie D and Marvin Barnes, Otis Thorpe in the eight, in 1984, Eric Murdoch, Dickie Simpkins. Eric Williams in the in the 90s. Then you have Austin Crozier go to the Pacers in the in a lottery pick. Marshawn Brooks in, in 2011. Um and Miss Gomes. Gomes was a second round pick. So Gomes wasn't even a first first round mm-hmm. pick. So he's the and then Dunn going fifth overall is the highest since Marvin Barnes in 1974. Bad news went number two overall. So Dunn going fifth is, is huge. So give give Ed credit. Obviously, but I think Dunn is a little bit of an underrated part of the story, and he winds up, you know, as a Friar icon. If, if you think of the accolades, um, he had some nice players that played with him, um, who actually probably wind up being more of our favorite Friars. You know, like the the Bryce Cotton, Ladante, Ben Bentel. We're all we're all guys that were probably you know definitely beloved in their own right. Um, you know, he he got tons of hype and and, and rightfully so. 
we saw some of the warts kind of, you know, the, the shoddy spotty jump shot, uh, didn't really win too much in the Big East tournament with him, and then uh, really no no uh, no NCAA tournament success. But but I think Dunder, Chris Dunn, Friar Icon, if you think about it, I I, I agree, Friar Icon. Um, but I think if you ask many Friar fans, especially those who have been fans uh, for you know 30, 30 years plus. The first thing, you know, one one word equation to done was probably disappointment. Yeah. Uh, sad. But on the flip side, those Friar fans who, you know, might have been teenagers uh, whose parents went to PC or parents were those local alumni or local just Friar fans and were fans of the program and they see Dunn and probably still see Dunn as a savior of the program because Cooley's first big recruit, uh, you know, first high profile recruit we've had since, uh, you know, gosh, going back close to close to two decades, really. Um, so, so yeah, he's, he's, I think he's viewed differently by, by different generations of, of fans of PC. That's fair. But the disappointment is tied squarely to the, the level of, uh, you know, how he was heralded coming in. The fact that he lived up to those expectations from an athleticism and skill standpoint. Anyone who watched Chris Dunn during his prior tenure will never say that he wasn't the most talented player on the floor 95% of the time. But the fact that that equated only to one biggies, one NCAA tournament win during his tenure, especially coinciding with that loss against Dayton uh, in the first round, when they were a Friars were a five seed and Dayton was coming off a playing game. Granted it wasn't Dayton, uh, there were a lot of factors going against Providence in that game, time of play and all that. But the fact that they lost that game and then the next year only won one, yeah, that's disappointment. Especially the fact that he was on those same teams, maybe not on the court with them, but on those same teams with Bryce Cotton, who single-handedly put the team on his shoulders to win a Big East tournament championship and then go out in the first round of the tournament and almost beat uh, a UNC team that was a, a favorite to win the championship that year. I think people hold players like Cotton and Henton uh, in their hearts closer, closer than done because I think they, they came across as grittier winners on the court than, than Dunn did because everything came so easy to Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the, you, you mentioned that, that, that Bryce Cotton game. I actually just watched that on YouTube again. We just watched the cotton highlights where he had like 36, I think, um, yeah. uh, against, against UNC. But, um, yeah, but I mean, cotton had a nice night, had a nice run. Ben Bentel wind up like leading the big East in scoring, I think mm-hmm. in that, in that last done year. And, and Hinton had, you know, buckets had a, had, had a really good run, run there also. 
so he he played with some some good guys i guess i guess you're right they just never really put it together yeah you know, they, they never had that like and they also kind of faded down the stretch in especially in that second year right because they got as high as eight in the country exactly. but they wound up finishing outside the top 25 yeah yeah you you say they you know pete you know had an eighth national ranking uh which which yeah doesn't come to top tens don't come too often to to friartown uh but again yeah that was mid-season uh and they they petered out down the stretch there um and uh yeah ended up i i believe a, a seven seed that year um so yeah it's it's tough i think i think the his injuries early uh, he had a shoulder injury before he even stepped on the floor as a freshman that required surgery, which, you know, didn't allow him to play a game until December, his freshman year. And he played out the season that year, but, you know, coming back from that and then the following uh, in the, uh, the following off season re-injures the same shoulder and has to redshirt that entire next year. So, you know, I feel like had he done a consistent, straight four-year stretch uh, and had been able to develop, uh, you know, more chemistry with his teammates um, and, and Cooley allowed to, you know, recruit alongside him in a consistent four-year stretch. Uh, the story could have been a lot different, but the story itself is still a great one. And I feel like he was such a great ambassador to the program during his four years, four years there, um, you know, consistently his story was a great one, you know, overcoming a lot of adversity in his childhood. Yeah. Uh, so it was one where the media really, really glommed on to and, and one that he told well and represented the Friars well on and off the court. Um, but, uh, but yeah, doesn't, doesn't get the love I feel like uh, from the Friar fan base is, is some other less heralded players. Yeah, I think it's funny, man. And like I said, that's why I kind of started. It was like, not only has no one ever won Big East Player of the Year as a prior, but then to win it twice. Yeah. And then to also be the, win the defensive player of the year alongside. Yeah, like it, it, it's wild. Yeah. And yet at the same time, even personally, like I watched every minute of, of every game he played in. And at the same time, like I have fonder memories of God Sham God and Austin Crozier. Um, yeah, who I look at as like, or, or even fonder memories of his teammates, like you talked about, of Henton yeah. and yeah. and and Cotton for sure. Um, even the Gomes, the Gomes was like a yeah. was a real fun thing to to watch. Like Gomes was absolutely. a complete ass kicker, absolutely. And and part of that I feel like comes back to the burden of expectation um, that he come, he you know, Dunn came in as a a program savior in a lot of ways accomplished that in terms of you know putting Providence back on the map of a place where top recruits are willing to go and top point guards are willing to go and then become uh, a top five NBA pick so fulfilled expectations in that regard but unfulfilled expectations in the regard of you know like I said him being the most talented player on the court 99 95% of the time and unable to really get get the meaningful wins that that talent should uh should generate
I think he probably has a lot to do with too. And like you said, the media hyping him up, Cooley using you know, a guy like that being on campus too must have been a must have been a pretty exciting thing if you're yeah. at at the school at the time like that to have a a lot of a top five NBA superstar. draft pick, yeah. like superstar, like living living in, on the small campus that is that is PC. So I think that you know maybe that had a lot to do too with like just the student section becoming is what it is today when you have Cooley being able to bring a guy like that in to get you know coming in getting into the top ten. I remember like when they played Nova, both were ranked in the top ten. It was a like a, yep. a fucking unbelievable scene at, at Providence. I was at that game. So so you like you you think of that Ed Ed leveraging the Chris Dunn st star. To, to really like make it make it a thing to do and 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 make and really put put it to where it is today. No, absolutely. Uh, you know the the school the the program owes done a, a ton a huge debt of gratitude for him. You know coming coming to Providence. You know he could have gone anywhere. Um, and then you know again like I said representing the school in the way he did while he was here. It's a shame. You know, he could it all it all it would have taken was one sweet sixteen run. And yeah. it was the year when they were the five seed against him. That, yeah. that that was the year. Had he done that, he you know, he would have, you know, been looked at as uh a top five friar of all time, which yeah. with all the accolades that you ran off to start the start the pod, he should be a top five friar of all time. Uh, but I don't think anyone would would have him in that conversation who has followed the school, you know, you know, you know, over the decades. Who would, um, you know, my tenure obviously starts with the uh, the Crozier Shamgod years. What, uh, who who is in that for you? Maybe before we got there. I mean, my my early from my own recollection that I've seen with my eyes, you know, my my earliest recollections in terms of really Friar standouts would be like, uh, you know, Otis Thorpe, okay, would be in there, and then you know, there's a big gap then between Thorpe and then Patino coming on, and you know, put Billy Donovan in there, yeah. um, but then another big gap until. Barnes came on and then, you know, the level of athlete and player that he recruited, you know, talk about McDonald's all Americas, Michael Smith and Dickie Simpkins yeah. there. Um, and then after that, then you and I are on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, man. Well, well, yeah, that's, that was, that's all I wanted to do, man. I, I you know, I, I thought, who can I, who can I deep dive with on, uh, on the Chris Dunn years? Yeah. Dude, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, dude, it was it was fun to watch him. Um, he made me really I, I sweat out a, uh, a a parlay on Dunn's. Uh, his over under on points was like four and a half. His over under on assists was was four. His over under on rebounds was like two. I took the over on all of it. Cause I was like, oh, this guy's starting. Like, this is gonna be awesome. Donald start, you know, be a nice birthday gift, night out. I'll, I'll win this parlay on him. And he he hit it, but he scraped it by he had like six points, six assists, and three rebounds. And like he only played like 17 minutes. 
he can he can still fill a stat sheet and yeah you know, I think it's taken him a while to get his footing in the NBA or find the right situation. He's battled a ton of injuries. You know, that's that's unfortunately been a calling card of his uh being able to stay healthy. Um, but when healthy, he's still one of the top defensive guards in the NBA. Uh and there'll always be a place for that. And I think he's he's uh signed a signed a decent contract recently. Uh, yeah, he did. He for, he, he was on a couple ten. Yeah, he was on a couple yeah, ten days last year, and yep. um, you yeah. know, it was good to see, man. It was like old school done. He picked up uh, Hart at like uh, in the backcourt, and like yeah, my, yeah. he went up. Uh, you know, and that was cool too because it was like Brunson, Hart, Divincenzo, Dunn. You know, big East guys that we all remember. But mm-hmm. uh, he picked up Hart, picked his pocket, went coast to coast for a layup. And then Brunson was guarding him, and they went to him, and Brunson had a hard time guarding Dunn because Dunn, you know, Dunn's not even that much bigger, but or, you know, but Dunn was a lot more physical than, than Brunson. So you know, Dunn turns 30, 30 in March. Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks for the Athletic, said that uh, he's the most underrated defender in the league, right? Still, yeah. uh, he's thirty in March, and he's still got something. Something, uh, something left. I was following yeah. Utah Jazz Twitterverse, and everyone's like, "Why is this guy not playing more?" Yeah. <laughs> and he's laughing at me on Zoom right now. <laughs> scary, scary rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Hey, I mean, you know, knock on wood, he can have uh, another, uh, you know, close to a half dozen years in the league of success, and. Uh, and Friar ambassadorship. All right, Big A. Well, I got you on record as saying uh, you're a definite maybe for the NCAA tournament this year in the in part one. So I'm gonna hold you to that. I think we anything we need to rally the troops, show the love for English in year one, um, pay our respects to King Carter, and uh, make the first round happen this year. I love that idea. Yeah. Love it. All right, Big A. It's been a good one. Uh, thanks for coming around and thanks to the free Oakley listeners. We will, uh, we'll be back soon. Great stuff. Thank you, Billy. Daniela, you said all those things I wouldn't have dared. As I hung on every word, I swear I could have been easy.